0: The Cleveland Guardians keep doing amazing things. Stephen Kwan keeps setting records. And hey, the smallest story of this game is there was a no-header into the sixth inning. What a time to be a Guardians fan. What a time to be a Guardians fan. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team... Every day. Hello, everyone. I'm Jeff Ellis, host of Lockdown Guardians. Less than 10 away now, I believe, from 700 episodes. I want to thank everyone for all of your kindness, commitment, and uh, help. We're 15th in network. We're getting close to that top 10. We are 53rd. We didn't. Quite crack the top 50, but we're getting there. And with all the excitement with Stephen Kwan, this is the week I'm sure we'll crack it. So let's keep working, keep going as a team to be one of the top 10 podcasts on the Locked On Baseball Network. For those who don't know me, as I stated earlier, I'm Jeff Ellis. Before this, I was a lead prospect and draft analyst over at Scout in and 24-7. And before that, uh, my main home in the Cleveland blogosphere was at Indians baseball and even dating back to the Indians prospect insider days. Uh, but you've probably seen or heard me reference on literally any site that writes about the Cleveland guardians, uh, through my many years of focused on drafts and prospects, but, uh, statistical analysis and things like that. I mean, come on, if you've been a long time listener to this podcast, I can brag about the fact like Brian Levastida and Cody Morris were profiled here before anywhere else. Uh, I mean, yes, there were probably, uh, places here and there, but this is one of the first places that you would have heard an in-depth take on them, an explanation why those were helium candidates back in 2019. Uh, now they're both on the 40-man. Uh, I was slow to Stephen Kwan, I <laughs> got to admit. I should have been more locked into those numbers, but it's been a fun time to be a Guardians fan, and let's get into the game today. So I was watching this when I got home in time to throw it on when uh, the Guardians were up 4-2 to and watch them, you know, slowly give that back <laughs> it was for nothing uh that's right because all four came in the sixth I, and that's the thing you enter that sixth inning Shane Bieber was dealing he had had what two walks heading into that innings but had gotten two double plays immediately after those two walks uh, he comes in in the sixth and strikes out the first then he's got the hit pitcher hit pitcher then he hit someone then the double and another double uh, then Ghost comes in and just serves up an absolute meatball to Naquin. So it's like, and the crazy thing is the number of people who are like, man, Shane Bieber's velocity's down. Shane Bieber's spin rate is down. It's like, he may not be as sharp, but he did have five innings of no-hit baseball, uh, and he didn't have a full spring training. His arm is going to be a little bit tired. He is not going to be the player he has been traditionally. This is a big deal that these pitchers didn't get a chance to stretch out. There's a reason why that happens. So before anyone like starts saying it's about the sticky stuff, because I've had multiple people bring that up, he was never a player who was tied to sticky stuff. I never even heard a whisper of that. Uh, before it's an injury concern, after all the games he missed last year, let's actually let these pitchers get stretched out a bit. You can't freak out about anything the starters do uh, in the early going of this year just because they've been they haven't had that opportunity. Like you need that time. They didn't get that time. Everyone got rushed, and that that's where you are with these set of starters. Um, also in this game, you know, Stephen Kwan gets a walk. I believe with the walk in the, uh, first inning, when he got that one, that tied him with Jay Bruce for like the most times on base in your first five games. Uh, if you were, if you missed it at home, he ended up with a a hit and two walks. And that is now, uh, five games. Every single game, Stephen Kwan has reached base three times or more. Uh, he's setting all type of records. He is up to... Uh, I want to get the, the quote right here from, it was, you know, Sarah Slangs, Langs, right? I, gosh, I should know. She's fantastic. She always has really good data, uh, has had, she's been all over the Quan stuff and I, you know, this is just me. Oh, you know, while I pull this up, I want to take a moment though and say, uh, I want to thank everyone out there uh, who listens to Lockdown Guardians. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. Uh, I do have some reviews to talk about as well. Uh, I, I want to bring up the pronunciation issue. So I saw that in one of the reviews. I still got four stars. Why do I mispronounce things? Um, I'm not sure if it's my ADD. I'm not sure if it's my dyslexia. I'm not sure what it is, but it's the same issue. Even when I like read my daughter a Frozen book, the number I go back and forth between Anna and Anna, uh, when I read her, her Bell book, Philip and Philippe, there's something about names that just gets all jumbled. And then the more I try to think about a name, the more I end up inevitably uh, using the incorrect pronunciation because I get so focused on trying to do it. It is nothing other than that. It's just my own disability coming to the forefront. So when people bring up the pronunciation thing, I don't want to say I'm sensitive about it. I try. Andy, Oh, as always, thank you so much for helping me out so much through the years with my pronunciation, but it's always going to be an issue. Um, I wish I could promise you wouldn't be, but it's going to be. So uh, it's Slangs on Sports, Sarah Langs. And the exact quote here is, uh, her exact number was that he was up to 115. I can't pull it up right now, but that Stephen Kwan got up to 115 uh, MLB pitches and counting right now with no swings and misses. There was some debate about a swing and a miss early in the game, but uh, it ended up being like a foul tip. So, you know, it doesn't count, but yeah, he's at 115 and counting. That is the longest streak of pitches without a swing and miss for a batter to start their career among active players to debut since 2000, which is probably when they started tracking it. David Fletcher at a hundred was some previous high. So again, not only has he not struck out in spring or so far in the season, he hasn't even missed a pitch since the season began. It's, it's unbelievable, uh, to see what he is doing. Jose Ramirez with a grand slam in this one who reached base multiple times. Miles Straw, for as much as I sit back and go, he's going to be like a ninety runs created plus. He's going to be a below league average bat. This isn't going to keep going. He keeps getting on base. Two more walks, a hit today. Jose Ramirez goes three for five. Uh, Owen Miller, two hits, two doubles. I mean, he's got to be like half doubles so far. He's got five doubles on the air. Uh, he's you know I've never been the biggest Owen Miller guy, but I mean I was last year I had him like twelfth in the system, so it's not like I was a hater. Uh, I always thought he's probably more utility than starter. He might prove me wrong, you know. Uh, someone who's proving me right, though, Andres Jimenez. I mean, he's the one who broke this game open when it was a tie game. He hit the uh, the go ahead two run home run uh, before the grand slam by Jose Ramirez. He goes two for four in this one, and uh, you know has a, a big home run. I mean, that's that's the one that's the go ahead runs in this game, and that was his first of the year. Uh, Jose Ramirez, as I mentioned, had his second of the year, and all of that was in the ninth. You know, this was a game that was tied entering the ninth. Guardians get six. Two on, thanks to Jimenez. Four, thanks to Jose. Uh, The the negative in this game, there's a few. Uh, The stolen bases, it's a team that's normally very efficient. I mean, Tyler Stevenson, kudos to him. Not really known as like a defensive specialist, but he threw out Quan, Jose, and Rosario. Only player who's successful is Miles Straw, but a one for four day is not uh you know, your efficiency needs to be much higher. It's not worth the risk. Uh Bieber was again great through five. It was in the sixth when the he was at seventy nine he ended up with seventy nine pitches that it came uh, and got him. Anthony Ghost, like I said, it was a complete meatball. He served it up. It was just unfortunate. I mean you got a lefty on lefty, like <laughs> the odds of Nake win you go to Ghost there because Naquin is so bad against lefties. Like, we all know that book. He was here forever. He can't hit lefties. So, of course, you have to give him the mother of all meatballs for him to hit a home run off a lefty. That's just never going to happen otherwise. Uh, And it was. Uh, Castro came in, scoreless there. I mean, they're using him quite often in the early going. Uh, Trevor Steffen had a clean, relatively clean inning, just one hit. Uh, Sam Henches... Uh, man, one of the listeners on YouTube, I should have written your name down so I could give you a shout out. Let me know that Henches did get another option year. So, I mean, he should be at some point heading down, uh, sooner rather than later. He, I mean, he had two wild pitches, uh, gave up an earned run on a hit and a strikeout. He's just not, nothing about him looks like he's going to be, we still haven't seen Connor Pilkington, like let Pilkington at least get a chance to pitch. I hate if he gets sent down before he gets a chance to pitch after, uh, getting a chance with this team. I feel like they're saving him for when they need a like he is he is stuck in the old school long relief roll so it's until they need someone like really pitches poorly and that's when they're gonna break the glass on Pilkington uh hedges even reach base in this one that was thanks to being hit by a pitch but still uh for a guy who's got a zero batting average it's you know nice for him to get hit by a pitch and get on base and get on base any way possible uh, I mean catching is is rough Like that's the thing that is we're going to talk about some trade ideas in the later segments of the show. The two things you have to understand about catchers. One, there's not enough of them. There's nowhere even remotely near enough of them. And two people underestimate value. You don't look at a catcher and go, Oh, you know, the, the bat is he's, he's an average bat. So he's going to have a lower price. No, like an average bat catcher is a top five player at his position Uh, And when you get a guy who's a plus defender that values it, like I I had a discussion, you know, some good people on Twitter today. It's like the idea that you know Sean Murphy is going to cost a lot more than I think people are willing to expect, and I talked about that on the show previously. That people will think that like when the if a team were to trade for him, they'd be upset when Sean Murphy arrived because he's not the big bat people want. Uh, But you're you're not acquiring like if he was. JT Romuto out there, I mean, he would be the most valuable trade asset in baseball right now uh, if he was all of those things combined, because uh, there's just not that. It's like you have, for a long time, if you want an above-average bat in baseball, uh, there was Romuto, and then, um, man, why am I blanking on the catcher with the White Sox, who was from, was he from Miami, and he went San Diego to Cincinnati? Like, I can tell you went in the Matt Latos deal <laughs> to the Padres. Then he went to the Dodgers from the Padres, uh, and man, this is this is my mind at this age that like I can tell you all of that stuff. I can tell you his entire career. I can tell you it was the uh, the like I said the Matt uh, Latos deal when he went, Latos when he went to the Reds. But I can't remember the catcher's name who was hurt most of last year. Um, oh man, it's like these are embarrassing. They went out and got uh reese mcguire yasmani grandal it finally hit me i did <laughs> when i clicked the link to go look at their 40 man yasmani grandal but for a long time you only had grandal and um and, and real mudo and there's no one else so when you get even just consistently average production that is incredibly incredibly valuable so it's going to be expensive to fill that spot that's why i've always been the person saying like contreras is makes a lot of sense because rentals just never net as much and he's a rental that went out and signed Jan Gomes. And, yeah, that's that's the player I still think this team needs to go. But to get back to this game, let us I am digressing hardcore. Uh, le, let's take our first break. We're going to take our first commercial break right here at this point in the episode. We're going to come back, finish up this game, talk about um, some trade options uh, in Segment 2 as well. And then Segment 3... It is Wednesday wrap-up. It's uh, I made a promise to one of our listeners, I'm going to focus in on the Tennessee arms in segment three today. University of Tennessee uh, has started to have, you know, Garrett Crochet, big name, recent high pick from there. They have a few players to check out. And that first sponsor is BuiltBar.com. You know, we, I had a chirp, which is the ones that are like... Uh, Peeps today. Uh, That was, you know, I bought a box of that. I like the churro puff. I decided to go and do that. But their current special while supplies laughed. Again, laughed. They don't laugh at you. That doesn't happen. They're all not going to laugh at you. But the chirps I really enjoy. If you kind of like something peepish, those are fantastic. But their newest flavor that they just released today is blueberry muffin. Blueberry muffin is back. I enjoyed that one in the past. Not necessarily my favorite. I think I would still say go with chirps uh, or churro, but blueberry muffin is a solid choice if that is your thing. Caramel brownie has been sold out. Roy Asbury cheesecake sounds good. I have not tried it. Banana cream pie is another solid one. They always do banana well. You know, I sat there, I enter it. I'm back to counting my calories, working that. And I mean, when I enter one chirp, I get a B grade in my app. When I enter two, it takes it up to an A grade because it's like combined all the protein, all of the good things you are getting and something that tastes like a peep. That's right. It gets an A in my health food app, and it tastes like a peep. What else do I have to tell you than that? It's good for you. It tastes like a dessert. Check it out for yourself at BuiltBar.com. Remember the promo code LOCKED15. It's the code I use on all of my offers. Uh, build up your Built Bucks. Build up everything. Save even more at BuiltBar.com. Remember that promo code is LOCKED15. Okay, let's get into the the traditional breakdown. I really haven't even had a chance to do that for this game. So who reached base twice in this game? Well, Straw, Quan, and Jose all did. Uh, then you had Mercado no, not Mercado, I'm sorry. Then you had um Jimenez, and I believe and Owen Miller. Uh so basically the ones who didn't were Fran Mill, Ahmed Rosario, Mercado, and Hedges. And that's the other thing. Like Mercado, I know he had the two home runs, but he is batted in a buck fifty right now. So the home runs are really helping prop him up in terms of what he's doing it's like right field i mean if miller can play it it's like all of a sudden you're feeling good about first base it it just comes down to right field and catching that are really bad right now Uh, i mean fran mills not had a good start let's be honest as well there if i'm doing three stars in this one well i mean again i think you go with jimenez and ramirez for the big hits in the the sixth and then as much as it pains me not to give it to Quan, who went one for two with two walks i think you give it to to Bieber with the three runs. I mean, he get five no hit innings. That, that deserves, you know, being put up there. And five no hit innings for him. Doesn't get the win in this one. Ends up giving up three runs, five strikeouts, two hits, and two walks. Uh, five no hit innings, though. That gets you in the two home runs. Uh, adding up the box where they had 10 hits and five walks and the hit, hit batter plus what? You know, one error for Cincinnati, they had 16 opportunities, and that's not count. Well, then you have to add in the wild pitches, right? Because, uh, I mean, the wild pitches, what led to their first runs, so that's 17 opportunities. 10 runs on 17 opportunities is pretty good. They took advantage of that. On the other side of things, Cincinnati had five hits, just two walks. That's seven, and the two wild pitches, that gives them nine opportunities and a hit batter. So that's 10, uh, getting five runs on 10. That's, I mean, both were pretty relatively efficient. Uh, when you get right down to it, Guardians, though, with the a big win. Another fun game to watch. Straw and Quan and Jose uh, just at the top of that lineup is a killer. It is an absolute killer, not just because they're productive, but because of how many pitches they make uh, teams throw their way. It's just it's going to be one of those things that's brutal for starters to face. So one of the big stories of yesterday, awkward transition, but here we go. Alec Baum in the, I hate this uh, place. So Alec Baum was, you know, a big pick. He was like the third overall pick out of Wichita State, one of those small schools. Um, but he was a, uh, you know, a big, yeah, Wichita State. You know, he was a, a very high draft pick who moved incredibly quickly through the minors. Uh, the, one of the big concerns I had with him is, you know, he's playing him at third base was always going to be questionable. There's no other way around it. Like that, that That's not his ideal home. Uh, he is a, probably a first baseman or a DH. And that first year when he came up in 180 plate appearances, he had a 138 runs created plus. He hit 338, 400 on base, 41 slugging. Uh, the bat pip was a 410, so that's totally unsustainable. He's always had weirdly high bat pips. He's always had some good contact numbers and value uh, throughout his career at that. For a guy who's not known for his speed, but if I also go and I talk about, like, his sprint speed last year was 68th percentile. His chase rate, 61st percentile. Like, he doesn't chase. He's got good bat pips. His average exit velocity, 89th. His heart hit, 90%. He's doing a lot of things really well. He's not productive. So what is happening? How can you have a lot of really positive indicators and then be, you know... how do you have a bap pip of last year and 417 plate appearances? You have a bat pip of 327 and you hit 247. That's unusual. That's really unusual. So, uh, you know, the strikeout rate did go up and the walk rate did go down, which is part of that. But I think two big things. One, he's playing a position that's adding stress to his career. Two, he doesn't feel comfortable or happy where he is. You don't sit there and say what he said if you feel 100% good. And that is why I think Alec Baum is is a really fat... I know everyone loves Josh Naylor, and I've been kind of wishy-washy on Naylor. Baum, I mean, even a year ago, you couldn't have traded Naylor for Baum straight up. And I don't... I wouldn't even necessarily say that's what you want to do now. And I know it's about trying young players, but the one thing the Guardians love to do is buy low. They love, you know, Josh Naylor was a buy low. He hadn't, San, San Diego has been desperate for outfielders for years, and he couldn't make it for them. Uh, San Diego has a bigger need in the outfield right now than the Guardians do. Uh, that's how bad it is there. Naylor couldn't crack it for them. And when you look at, again, just the background, what Baum did as he quickly ascended through the minors, I mean, he didn't even play in Double A before he got to the big leagues. Uh he went right from double A or he didn't get to triple A, I'm sorry, he went right from double A to the big leagues. And yeah, the big leagues he struck out a lot more. He's definitely pressed. And Philadelphia is a is a hard city to play in. He has been under a lot of pressure. And, you know, it's also been a, a team that's had some turnover in the front office and other things like that. I just think he is the perfect buy low candidate. He is the guy that the Guardians seem to Target and if you add him, the potential upside it's like okay. So, let's say, um, when you look at the Guardians with the way they're currently aligned, and people are always like, Well, this player blocks that player, that player blocks that player. And I mean, I've always been someone saying, Yet, let the young guys play, but like at this point in time, Owen Miller and Josh Naylor are not sure things, right? Uh, Bobby Bradley and Yu Chen Chang are probably not long for this roster. Uh, there's a lot of players that give you some leeway, and even if you're like, okay, Josh Naylor's back and he's healthy, uh, with the ground that like Quan and Straw cover, you can afford to put Straw or you can try Fran Mill in a corner outfield spot. You could put Naylor back in the place he was a year ago and let him go out there and play and see if that works. You could have Naylor, um, you could have Naylor go out there, and then at first base you could have a bomb Bompelli uh and i know i'm probably butchering the name so andy help me out but you can find an easy way to make this work you could do a nailer platoon b-o-h-m yeah you know, <laughs> we can whatever the pronunciation is uh you can go out and get a player at the lowest point of their value right now like it's the point that I'm almost like, oh man, if they had held on to Bradley Zimmer, you could have maybe flipped Zimmer for, for him. Like his value is so low comparatively. And that's a team that needs, it's like, could Mercado plus another small piece net you him? I think so. Uh, and then, like I said, you, we don't know what Naylor's going to do. He'll get an opportunity. Uh, we don't know if Miller can keep up anything remotely near what he's doing, but it just gives you another, I mean, Jones is still hurt. Arias is going to be down there, I think, for a bit until they feel like they're going to have an opening at shortstop. They're not going to call him up to play infi- you know, any other spot on in the infield. And let's just be honest. Ahmed Rosario, the better he plays, the better he becomes in terms of trade value. I would be very surprised if he is with this team come August 1st because he's going to be a free agent after next season. Uh, you know, If he goes out and he performs, he is kind of a positionless person but you look at anaheim who doesn't have a second baseman you look at the white Sox. you look at the giants there are a lot of teams that could use him and there's a lot of ways to make that work for the guardians so that's that is just a thought process of mine right now i thought you know i'm always look sitting there looking for ways to improve uh i'll do the pause do any of them have catching that could help like the question becomes i guess you know talking about that it's like could you like joey bart has fallen you know, I want to talk about another high pick. He is not even, like, considered the top the catcher of the future in San Francisco anymore. Uh, he is not where he was at the height of his value. He is significantly lower down list. It's, like, he is their starting catcher, so they'd have a hard time trading him. Uh, Kirk Casilli, I mean, was a starter at points in um, Cincinnati, I believe, is the backup. So they do have that. The problem is Patrick Bailey is not, like, close, close. Uh, he's probably like another year or two away. So maybe that doesn't happen, but there's ways to still get value. There's, that's one of those things that uh, like I'm going to be looking at. Cause for me, it's always about maximizing value for this team. We're going to take that next break, come back talk about Tennessee baseball. So Tennessee, I believe is the number one team in the country right now. Uh, the big name for them to start the year was Blade Tidwell, who threw those really hard but is also uh, been hurt. Like he was supposed to, it's like you can just, if you go and you type Blade Tidwell into Google and then you go news, it's like, uh, what is Blade Tidwell's role for Tennessee after his debut against Western Carolina? That was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, close to return. Uh, and then, you know, promoted to active status two weeks ago. You see uh, Then Tidwell is going to start versus Lindscombe. Uh, so far this year, according to statistics, as long as they're up to date from the Tennessee website, it's like he's had two games, two starts, five innings. Uh, it's not like even though he's starting, they're giving him a ton of innings. And there's still going to be injury concerns there. Again, he throw, I want to say he hit 100 and fall ball. And he is still probably the big name. He's probably still the odds-on favorite to be the top one from there. And he is definitely the guy who is generated the most interest but again it's there's there's high risk yeah i was curious i went to mlb i know that they had him 13th top uh prospect in this year's draft class now their rankings have not been updated in a while um you know he's a guy he's young for the class he won't turn 21 until uh june and yeah he's up to 99 with the i believe it was the slider was his best secondary pitch and we know how much teams love those sliders specifically the guardians but it's the health. Like he is a big kid, but we have not seen much from him and that's nothing's going to scare a team off quicker than that. Uh though the top performer for them has been Chase Dolander, who is there. Well, he's not necessarily the top performer. He's probably the top draft prospect. Let me let me make sure I get that right. Uh Chase Burns, who is you know, one of the big names to go to college from last year's prep class has been phenomenal. He is a player to watch for the future. Uh, Drew Beams has been utterly fantastic for them as well, but you know, it, Dolander has been the the draft eligible player. Blade Tidwell is you know the ceiling talent. He's the um, the top pitching prospect since Garrett Crochet, and I think there's also some you know room for comparison and concern with that same idea of uh, throws hard, big kid, uh, but raw. Might be more reliever than starter and just that injury concern. So, yeah, I was just double-checking. Beam is, a, I, believed a, I believed, I thought he was a freshman. He is a freshman. So you have uh, Beam. It, that's kind of amazing when you get down to you. you have Beam and Burns, the two freshmen, who are just uh, dominating. And then, again, so Dolander is probably more of a second- to third-round arm. Um, for them, has also been quite good. So those are really the you know to the the fan who asked me to mention uh, asked about Tennessee it's like yes they have a pair of arms uh, that stand out for this year's draft uh above and beyond you know what that we've seen for them pretty consistently they they have not had you know they've had typically like I mean, I was, I was a big Christian Stewart fan. If I'm going to talk about my successes, there's one I got. My co-host wants to come up and talk about University of Tennessee, apparently. That was not a success for me, it was Christian Stewart. I thought that was—I thought the Tigers did so well in that draft class with uh, Bo Burrows and Christian Stewart. But, yeah, didn't happen. Uh, you know, Nick Senzel, I, we've talked about him so much on this show and how he— really has not found the success that everyone, myself included, expected. I mean, I put him as the number two player in that draft class. Uh, and I think you know, you know, Crochet was, has been effective in his limited role, but you do wonder sometimes about things like that. Delander, I had forgotten, was at Georgia Southern a year ago. Uh, strikeouts per nine of 14 with a walks per nine of 1.6. The home run per nine of 1.0, not ideal, but again... I well, maybe not again here. I was talking about this with the baseball coach uh, at my high school that I teach at. That home run rates some teams don't care because when the ball is on the ground, there's a better chance for positive hitter outcomes than what's in the air. There is a much bigger effect. Like a home run is terrible, but most times the ball is in the air. It's gonna. It's a higher percentage of outs. So you're just playing the odds, essentially. So you'd rather, much rather have fly ball than ground ball pitchers anymore. That's why the sinker ball is kind of dying. You're going to see a lot of teams really investing in that because the ball on the ground is a lot more dangerous than the ball in the air. And when you look, again, we know they like low walk rate, so you don't hurt yourself when that ball does leave the park. And then the ability to miss bats to get out of sticky situations 14 strikeouts per nine Uh, yeah so uh, he's absolutely someone you would look at for the cleveland guardians he just he makes too much sense in terms of just numbers and what he has done this year and you know it's a top team continuing to see them and what they will do in the sec this year Uh, he's got a chance to in in this class where like nobody's stepping up Like, I'll be surprised if there's a pitcher in the top 15 picks, a college pitcher, I should say. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if there isn't one in the top 20. So just keep that in mind. Uh, DeLander is definitely one of those players who uh, is kind of in that top 5 to 10 mix overall. And I'll be just curious to see uh, if he can continue to perform. Not the biggest kid, 6'3", 192. So you know, keep that in mind. He's not going to be the ideal for a lot of guys. It's not undersized as a righty, but it's also once you get like six three is the cutoff for like right hander uh, size. Once you get below that, you get to that like Tanner Burns territory. Teams start to consider you undersized relative to your position. So that's just our Wednesday college wrap up as we continue to look at some top performers uh, or top programs around the country. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Remember to rate and review, download daily. I do have to give some shout-outs and thank you. I will do that thank yous on tomorrow's show as we had a whole bunch of iTunes reviews. That is very helpful. We're up to 125 subscribers, so uh, keep those subscribers coming over on Lockdown Guardians YouTube. All of that is extremely, extremely helpful. Um, most hit videos are getting you know close to 100 views. The Stephen Kwan one, The Quantum Leap from earlier this week got 435 with 15 likes. That was far and away, uh, not even close. Uh, The most popular video by a significant margin. So thank you to everyone who watched that one uh, and have yourself a fantastic day. But that's not how I end it. I end by saying, go, go, Guardians, go.